0: Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, bringing to you this week news from the United States, the Philippines, Brazil, and Belarus. Starting off in the United States, a black man named Justin Peoples has been murdered in Stockton, California this week by a pair of neo-Nazis, apparently a romantic couple. Uh, They murdered him at a gas station. And prosecutors are looking into hate crimes charges, although it's too early in the investigation for that. Specifically, they're looking into these hate crime charges because of the perpetrator's tattoos, which are clearly neo-Nazi in nature, and indicate that the male in the couple was affiliated with the Aryan Brotherhood. Uh, they allegedly stabbed and then shot Mr. Peoples to death. Moving on to the Philippines, Marcos Jr. is the frontrunner in the Philippines national presidential election, which is upcoming later this year, and he has formally received the endorsement from the party of Duterte, the current president of the Philippines, who is a right-wing ideologue and a staunch supporter of extreme violence against opponents of his and also sort of social dissidents in general. Uh, Marcos Jr. is running alongside Duterte's daughter, who was previously possibly going to be Duterte's successor, uh, as his vice presidential pick. This means that he is likely, Marcos Jr. is likely to see victory in this upcoming election because he's got the support of major ruling parties. Um, however, Duterte himself has yet to formally endorse their candidacy. Interestingly, also, Marcos Jr. is the son of a former Philippine dictator, Ferdinand Marcos, who by some counts is arguably the most corrupt politician ever, like the most corrupt politician in modern history. Moving on to India, the BJP, the current ruling party in India, has bucked trends that indicated that it might have been uh, seeing an electoral decline. Specifically, last week, there were major provincial elections in India. Uh, this means, you know, local elections, elections on what in India would be the equivalent of the United States' state level. Uh, and the BJP did extremely well. It performed very well, especially against the main opposition party, the Congress Party, uh, which had been the ruling party of India for much of its independence period and is largely run by the... Gandhi Nehru family, uh, which is, you know, one of the main establishment political parties and families in India. Uh, Like I said, the BJP is the current ruling party. It is the party represented by Modi, the current prime minister of India. And this indicates that the BJP might be sticking around for quite some time. Uh, They were able to garner a lot of new votes, especially from female voters, uh, which means that they might be able to stave off the kind of decline that analysts were thinking they might see fairly soon. Moving on to Brazil, the current president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, has announced that he is going to pick a new running mate for his upcoming presidential run later this year in October. Now, his current vice president is a former retired general, and what Bolsonaro is saying is that he is going to pick a new running mate. Uh, however, analysts, specifically this, uh, this, this analysis is coming from Reuters, are pretty sure that he is going to pick his defense minister, who is a, another retired military general, uh, a man named Braga Neto. So, what this indicates is that Bolsonaro is trying to shake things up ahead of his election coming up later this uh, later this year in October, when he will face off against a bunch of other candidates, but primarily the, the one candidate who's the important one is uh, Lula de Silva, a former Brazilian president and by many measures, the most popular person in Brazilian history, like certainly the most popular president that Brazil has ever had. What this means is that Bolsonaro is facing a real uphill battle in this upcoming election. And by changing out his current vice president and picking a new one, who will almost certainly also be a member of the military or a former member of the military, Bolsonaro is sending a signal, right? And specifically, if the analysts at Reuters are correct, and that he is going to pick a retired general who is actually currently very close to the military, as the sitting minister of defense, this could be an indication that he is trying to shore up support in the higher echelons of the military today, like right now. And that what Bolsonaro is looking forward to is the fact that he, he knows that he can't win in a fair fight against Lula. He would, he would lose an election against Lula. And so Bolsonaro being the person that he is and having the politics that he is, uh, which are very <laughs> accepting of extra-legal, extra-judicial military interventions into politics. This could be an indication that he is looking to receive that kind of help from his allies in the Brazilian military, but we're just going to have to uh, keep a closer eye on that. Moving back to the United States, we have more convictions for people's involvement in the uh, invasion of the Capitol building during the Counting of the Electoral College votes last year on January 6th, Uh, the founder of one of the funnier named Trump organizations, Cowboys for Trump, um, is the second person to actually face trial uh, for his involvements in the coup, and also the second person to be convicted. Uh, Although unlike the first person, uh, this was not a jury trial, Uh, it was a a bench trial. So the judge heard heard the evidence and made his decision. Uh, On his own. Uh, This person's name is Griffin, uh, the founder of the Cowboys for Trump. And he's also, you know, he's only the second person to face trial for the coup, but he he is the first elected official to face trial for the coup. Uh, He is a sitting county commissioner uh, at a county in New Mexico. Uh, He was accused of getting close to Mike Pence uh, and of trying to, you know, prevent the government from inaugurating a new president. Uh Specifically, what he did was he tried to start a prayer group at the coup. He claims that he didn't know that Pence was there uh, or that Pence was anywhere close to him uh but the judge did not buy this. The judge, however, did dismiss his disorderly conduct charge you know he was accused of disorderly conduct, and the judge said, like "Well, I guess maybe trying to start a prayer isn't necessarily disorderly that that that's what the judge said." In any case, this is the second conviction, like I said, for people's involvement in the coup, although several hundred others have already pled guilty, having been accused of participating in the coup in one way or another. Griffin faces two years in jail for his involvement in the attempted coup. Additionally, a different suspect... Uh, A person suspected of involvement in the attempted coup last year, Evan Newman, has made the news because he, well, he fled to Europe last year to try to avoid prosecution in the United States and sort of bopped around into various countries trying to avoid extradition and being found by, you know, military and the investigations in Europe. Uh, He initially tried to stay in Ukraine, but uh, that didn't exactly work. Uh, It sort of became untenable to stay there uh, as tensions rose. Uh, He left Ukraine prior to Putin's invasion of Ukraine last month and has now settled apparently somewhat permanently in Belarus, where he he has been granted political refugee status by the government of Belarus. So this is a, you know, somebody accused of the of, like, trying to stop a legitimate presidential electoral count in the United States, and he is now a registered political refugee in uh, Belarus. Newman was specifically accused of assaulting two police officers, specifically punching them, and also using a metal fence, like like one of those anti-riot barricades that the police put up, as a weapon to ram other police officers, Uh, so... This is what he's been accused of. He claims that that isn't true, but he's never seen trial for it because, you know, he fled the country. Recall that the leader of Belarus, uh, Lukashenko, is arguably the last, like, just dictator in Europe. Lukashenko has a pretty big stranglehold on the politics of his country, Belarus. And he is also a literal Putin puppet. Uh, Belarus has been involved in the invasion of Ukraine and has sided with Russia on almost every major geopolitical question in the last several years, uh, certainly since Lukashenko has been in power. And so uh, this is an interesting wrinkle here. You know, it's questionable about how exactly that relates to Putin's relationship to the extreme right wing in the United States or the rest of the world. Uh, but those are details that we're going to have to tease out as they come. Finally, going to close out this week, as I do every week, with See You in Hell, a segment celebrating the deaths of prominent right-wing figures in history. This week, we got two examples for you. One is from Hungary in the United States, and the other one is from the United States, and is actually very contemporary. The first is a man named Laszlo Pastor, uh, who actually died last week, but is important enough to note. Uh, He was an aide to Paul Weirich, who I spoke about in a previous episode, who uh, founded the Heritage Foundation and a number of other important right-wing and conservative institutions in the United States. But Pastor, uh, in addition to being an aide to the new right in the United States, was also just like a straight-up fascist in Hungary before he immigrated to the United States. Specifically, he was an official, first in the youth wing and then in the main wing of the Arrow Cross the Hungarian fascist organization uh, founded by Salzy, the person I talked about last week as the, you know, the the featured dead fascist. Uh, Pastor's involvement in the Arrow Cross ranged from, like I said, being the leader of a youth wing to eventually, once the Arrow Cross was granted this like official puppet status by the Nazi party uh, as the official government of Hungary, he was the liaison between the Arrow Cross and the German government in Berlin, which is an extremely prominent position for a person in a party like this to have. Pestor was convicted in Hungary of being a Nazi collaborator. This man is a, a convicted fascist criminal. Um, after he was released from prison in Hungary, he immigrated to the United States, where his second political career began. Uh, Pastor was the founder and leader of a network of minor former fascist officials, uh, primarily from Eastern Europe, like him. So, you know, uh, these officials are coming from Belarus, from Romania, uh, from Hungary, from Bulgaria, from other places in Eastern Europe. Uh, that worked with the Republican Party from the 1960s to the 1990s to organize conservative and right-wing immigrant communities, specifically Eastern European ones that came to the United States after World War II. This organization is called the Republican Heritage Groups Council, and it's like pretty explicitly like run by former fascists. Like the people who run the thing, or, you know, at least before they died, uh, were a lot of them, people who were involved in organizations like the Arrow Cross, or the Legion of the Archangel Michael from Romania, or from other smaller fascist or nationalist or anti-Semitic organizations in Eastern Europe, many of which collaborated directly with Nazi occupations in their territories. In his capacity as the leader of this heritage group's council, uh, Laszlo Pastor was a political operative in the United States for several decades. He met with several Republican presidents from Nixon to Reagan to H.W. Bush to W. Bush. He engaged in organizing, like I said, with Paul Weirich and the other leaders of the New Right, which remade the Republican Party in the uh, image of a sort of extreme patriarchal white nationalist organization. The thing that we see it being today, as opposed to the, you know, potentially, like, classically liberal party that Richard Nixon inherited in the late 60s. Pastor died last week in history, March 15th, 2015, and so, Laszlo Pastor, we will see you in hell. Second, we have a, a very recently dead fascist. Uh, this person's name is Levi Romero, and he was affiliated with the Proud Boys, Who's an organizer and neo Nazi active in the Proud Boys organization in the United States and is known to have attended rallies in Washington state and elsewhere where he engaged in physical violence, used racial slurs. Uh, he was an organizer in the Proud Boys for several years. Uh, little is known about his death at this point. Uh, all that we know is that in a, in a social media chat, active in the Proud Boys' sort of social sphere. Gavin McGinnis, the founder of the organization, uh, has been seen mourning him and acknowledging his death, uh, which indicates that he did die this week, although we are not entirely certain of the circumstances, especially considering that he is known to have been active in, like, street activity opposing anti-fascists as recently as last week. But, Levi Romero, we will see you in hell. All right. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. And uh, in case the number didn't already indicate it to you, this is my 100th formal episode of this podcast. So thank you all for listening and sticking with it uh, through these, you know, over two years that it's been active at this point. If you enjoyed this podcast, please. Uh, share it with friends, families, and comrades. Uh, please share it on your social media. Leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Please like, share, and subscribe on whatever it is you are getting uh, my voice in your ears on. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, then you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com/slash Fifteen Minutes of Fascism. That's Fifteen Minutes of Fascism, all one word. You can get in touch with me at Gmail at Fifteen Minutes of Fascism at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hist of the Right. That's H I S T of the Right. I'm also on Twitter, the podcast itself, at Fascism15 at Twitter.com. Also, uh, in case you didn't notice, I have started this week a mini series celebrating my 100th episode uh, 100 Episodes, 100 Years of Fascist History, in which I will, by week, go through one decade of fascist history starting this week with uh, a sort of episode zero about proto-fascism, fascism fascism before the foundation of the Italian fascist party in 1922. All right. Again, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for listening to these hundred episodes and here's to, well, I was going to say here's to a hundred more, but hopefully fascism is completely eradicated uh, in the next two years and I won't have to keep making this thing. All right. Have a good week.